Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Swiss Ballers Pod. I'm Fabo and as always I'm joined by two absolute ballers, my good friends Alin from Bern and Meret from Langna, but we'll call it Bern for today. <laughs> How are you two doing? Very good, thanks for being here and for the invitation. Yeah, I'm also good, thanks. I'm very happy to be here with you. I'm super excited for, for various reasons. One, because it's the first episode of our little pod where we'll record in person. Two, because of the two of you. Both of you are very inspiring to me for various reasons, which we'll get to. Uh, we'll chat about women's football mainly, our own entries into and connections to the football. Your own, sorry, not my own. Your own entries into con and connections into the world of football, the, the World Cup, the progress made and the steps still to take of the women's game. Uh, as always, though, we'll break the ice with a couple of random warm-up questions. <laughs> Alin, who is the best player in the women's game right now? Um, I would say Puteyas, but like at the World Cup, she didn't play like she used to play. But I think it's also because of her injury. She doesn't have a lot of practice and stuff, but she's a really good player right now. I would say the best. So at the World Cup, who's impressed you the most then? Um, I think Lauren James, but yeah, last game she kind of messed it up a little bit <laughs> because she was stepping back on the opponent's, on the back on the opponent's player. But she really impressed me, like in all the games. Yeah, I agree with you. Merit, for you, a super easy question: Who's going to win the World Cup? I'd say Japan. I go for Japan just because I like them and they play really, like they are really effective and. Like yeah, it's just really cool to see them, and I would just be happy for them as well as a team. Yeah, Japan obviously winners in two thousand and eleven, I think. Oof. Yeah, yeah, I think so. The only yeah. remaining team who won the World Cup, yeah. which is quite interesting actually. But all right, let's get into the point. Mm. Let's start by introducing the two of you a little bit. And first and foremost, Merit, you're very much Swiss. You're a Swiss human being, born and raised here, but after playing a lot of football in your youth, playing for the juniors and the first team of, of uh, Young Boys Burn, the local team, then taking a break from football, moving to London, to Quito, and then eventually you moved to Colombia. Give mm -hmm. us some insight into that. Why you fell in love with football, what moved you to go to London, then Colombia, and, and what you're doing mm. now. Mm, I mean, football was kind of... Um, uh, coincidence quite because or not really coincidence but I kind of had to go to training because my dad was a football coach and my sister was also training so I couldn't stay alone at home when my mom was working so I had to go to, to the training and then I was like man if I'm already here let's train as well so I just started playing as well but it was more like I actually always wanted to do handball <laughs> wow. uh, like my mom but then I, I I started with football and I think the thing that made me fall in love was like the team spirit and having kind of a community and also I think it's really empowering for a girl like to play football because it's it wasn't at, certainly in that time like it wasn't that typical so you were kind of breaking some stereotypes and stuff like that you could also talk with the boys about football so it was kind of uh different 
so but for having friends and having kind of a community that was really what i loved about it and obviously the sport itself but it's like more than that and but then i was like also interested in other stuff um party travels (laughs) so it was kind of hard to be disciplined sometimes and to have that much of a commitment to to sports and then like in that time we didn't have really perspective or future visions about being pro or something like that so um so i did my masters in london and i tried to train as well in london and play but it was too difficult because the the travels within london were too long and it was too much effort so yeah that's when i quit mostly because of the commitment yeah do you miss it yeah sometimes i do but not like on a daily basis it's like more when i think about ah oh man I, I would love to do some sports <laughs> but i'm like no i don't like anything else but football but then i'm like yeah it's hard to find a good club as well yeah how, how do you what's your involvement with football now then do you just follow it from abroad do you watch the wsl from from abroad or, hmm. or where does your sort of connection to football where does it lie at the moment yeah like watching it mostly women's football also sometimes writing about it when there's some scandal or when in swiss leaks there are weird things going on <laughs> um yeah stuff like that but i'm also like into maybe starting a social project with football once like someday something like that we will follow your progress very closely and with <laughs> great interest Alan, you're also no longer living where you grew up, but you've returned back to Switzerland after living in the US for a while, uh, playing college football, mm-hmm. I believe, in the 2015-16 season. I have to look this up. I didn't remember which year it was, <laughs> a long time ago now. Uh, you return and played for the first team of, again, the local BSC Young Boys squad uh, for many years until injuries hit. And after the fourth ACL surgery, you decided to hang up the boots and mm-hmm. stop playing football to focus on your work and your studies and now your role as a sporting director of FC Solitorn. <laughs> Talk to me about falling in love with the game, leaving to play abroad. That I remember you being very ambitious. Meret said there she had other interests. You always were very interested in dancing, but it was also the focus I, I remember was on football mm. for a long time. Talk to me about how that evolved and, and how injuries affected it and, and where it all started. Mm. And it was kind of like similar like merit experience because I started by a coincidence because my friend was playing and I was spending a lot of time with her and when she went to practice I just I thought like I want to play too and yeah so for a long time I just played because it was fun and I was good in playing so that's so I, like step by step I came into the the local team and the national team but I never like ha- thought of like playing pro- professional and yeah I, w- I was focused I feel like but I also had a lot of other interests so I was it was never my goal to play professional or to play abroad so yeah and then also with my injuries I mean like I had a lot of ACLs and I always continue to play 
and sometimes I feel like it was just easier for me to keep going because I had my life I had like practice every day with my friends and stuff so it was kind of like easier than than yeah hanging up the boots because like I had to build up a whole new life and I did that like almost two years ago and yeah I'm very happy happy with it without playing soccer and like Merit said I don't miss playing on the field because of my injuries kind of but I sometimes miss like scoring a goal and celebrating with my teammates and having like these emotions mm -hmm. because I feel like in life you don't have these emotions on a daily basis so that's sometimes what I kind of miss yeah you said you said there that you never thought you you wanted to go pro or, or that you have the ambition it might not even have been a real option mm. at the time and and still you decided to go to america and, and focus on on your football for for the largest part of a, of a year over over there talk to me about that experience what was that like um i mean i went to to america because i had the chance to get a scholarship and that was combined with playing soccer and obviously I loved playing soccer but I feel like it was more like having an experience abroad and I didn't want to quit soccer for having that experience so it was kind of nice um, having that and it was an awesome experience um, with all the friends and like living a life abroad but with soccer it wasn't that well because my coach was kind of crazy <laughs> <laughs> she yeah she shouted a lot and she can she took a little bit the the joy of joy of the game away for me so i was very happy when i came back to get that that joy again like with playing I want to ask a couple more questions about that, but just quickly have to intervene and, and say that, that everyone from the Swiss Ballers pod would like to state that it's called football and not soccer. We respect Alan's US-American connections. But Thank we, you. We insist on calling it football. Um, talk, talk to me about the, the differences. And you said there that you had a very hot, a strict coach who kind of took the joy of the game away from you. What football, women's football in America is perceived to be much bigger than it is in Europe. I mean, Europe is catching up quickly now, but especially at that time, close to 10 years ago, the US were like the leading force in women's football. What were the key differences you encountered? Was it more professional? Was there more money? Was the coaching perhaps stricter but better? What were the key differences? I mean, there are a lot of colleges in the US, so I don't know if I was like, if my college is representative to the, to the whole community, but I feel like um, where I played, it was more of a physical aspect. Like we didn't practice technical stuff. Like we always just had tactical practices and I missed, yeah, I kind of like missed just playing against each other. I feel like for half and half a year, I didn't, we didn't have a intern game where we played against each other. So it was, for me, I mean, also we had a lot of games. We also always had Wednesday and Saturday games, so maybe that's also the reason why you don't have you don't have practice that where you have to run a lot. I don't know, and so that's what's kind of bothered me. And then yeah, like the coach was like my second mom, but worse. So we <laughs> couldn't do a lot of stuff. Like we we're not allowed to wear makeup when we practice. Like just weird stuff that shouldn't like. It's not none of her business. 
and yeah when we have to get to bed where we have to eat and stuff and yeah I mean it was 20 by like at that time it just felt weird <laughs> so that's another aspect and then in the game it's also you can um how do you say switch the players no substitute substitute yeah. um all the time so sometimes she put me in for 10 minutes then Oof. I played mm -hmm. a bad ball and then she took me out or like I heard she's saying like just to another girl warm up and it was always like I was I couldn't play like I used to play because I was always scared that she would substitute me because I made a mistake and that's like in college soccer you can you can do that obviously mm. so interesting how, yeah. how it's just a different world mm. even though it's the same sport and different practices mm. Let, let's talk in more broader sense about the women's world cup we're down to the quarterfinals last eight teams are, are in in the tournament still many have been talking of this world cup as a huge success saying the the level has been higher than ever those those massive gaps that we saw even four years ago in in canada in 20 uh no sorry france in 2019 mm -hmm. Uh, and even more so in Canada in 15, uh, seem to have shrunk. A lot of mm. the smaller teams have been doing really well. Have you enjoyed the games? How much have you been watching of it? I've watched almost all of them, like the ones that I could. But um, yeah, I've enjoyed it a lot. Also because there were a lot of surprises and a lot of unexpected results. And I kind of always like it if the underdogs win like i think that's cool um i think i think the level obviously improved but there are some there were some games where you were like there's still a lot to do let's say for example a lot of um how to say it own when you own goals uh -huh, own goals <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or also like goalkeepers um, stuff like that were just more maybe obvious at this tournament I don't know like there were a lot of there's a lot of uh, good teams and high level but there are some mis mistakes that you just don't see let's say mm -hmm. in men's football that were kind of crazy to watch sometimes you were like whoa <laughs> where does that come from yeah, <laughs> yeah like, do a madness the the who were the i mean there's a few you mentioned there the the upsets usa brazil norway germany mm. canada teams we would have maybe expected to if not win it at least challenge for maybe mm. the semi-finals or something like that it is this testament to the smaller teams improving or is there where where do you see the reasons for those big nations failing in the early stages of the of the tournament I mean, I feel like except for England, they didn't play well or they didn't play like they used to play. So I feel like, I mean, the underdogs, they did a good job, but I also feel like the big nations didn't didn't play well. I don't know uh, why, but I don't I, think I didn't watch the game like thinking, wow, that was an awesome game. And yeah, I think it has a lot to do with pressure, uh, with public pressure, because it's like what you can see it's I think it's the World Cup with most attention and especially in those countries with that expect always like the teams to win let's say Germany for example I think the women in women's football you are not 
like it's really new to have this public pressure like that's also what my sister said like she has never experienced something with that much attention and and also then which is positive but then also pressure and it's maybe the last world cup wasn't like that so and also in the normal league it's not like that so they are not used to it like they're also not used to you don't even hear the person like next to you like you you can't communicate it's so different like it's it's really just a different atmosphere and i think some of them maybe can't handle it yet and they have to learn that maybe now there is a lot of attention a lot of pressure so they have to get used to that i think that's a big reason for the for the bad performance it's an interesting conundrum because you would you would almost be pushed to say that this is a good thing that there's more attention there's more that people are more interested in it there's there's but with that comes the the pressure and mm. the intensity of, of playing in front of an audience that is now worldwide. Mm. And, and yeah, I'm sure it will it will sort of settle again and, and people will get used to, to or players will get used to playing in front of that many people as they you know, as they deserve. They've invested so much mm. and it, they, they deserve the audience. Um I, I wanna just quickly talk about some because I always get asked so like what what game should I watch? Who's who's who are the good teams and, and so, so maybe give us some some players. You mentioned Budeas, you mentioned Lauren James. Who else stood out for you at this World Cup? Villavanti. Really... <laughs> <laughs> well, I think like Arsenal, watching Arsenal games. You watch a lot of Arsenal games. But are you talking about... The I mean, World I'm Cup? talking World Cup or players mm. that you, for the next season, are going to be looking out for. I mean, obviously, we have the personal connection. We'll talk about mm. Switzerland in a sec. But perhaps on a more global stage, who are like mm. your... The icons... Marta, mm-hmm. Megan Rapino now just finishing their careers. Mm-hmm. Who, are, who are the next generation of that? I mean, I'm going more for clubs and not really for individual players if I'm selecting the games that I watch. Um, so I'm like, I'm all mostly watching the English league and, and maybe like Lyon, Paris, um, Barcelona, but it's more like the team for me it's more like the team performance and also the vibe in the like in the stadiums and stuff and if there's if the stadium is full like it's just more more like it's just cooler to watch but yeah i mean names yeah i feel like all my role models models are quitting now so like <laughs> rapinho or marta the um, role models i mean like rapinho was because of her political yeah. stuff like I feel like she was um, a role model in the sense that she had a platform and she used it and I always kind of miss that in the men's soccer mm. because they have like an even bigger platform and they don't use it like she did mm. so yeah in that sense she was she was a role yeah. model for me and Marta was the first player I knew like who played mm. professional so yeah. yeah we grew up with her mm. and the younger players um the Colombian one. Yeah, the Colombian Linda. <laughs> uh-huh. Linda, yeah, she's awesome. I well, mean, gosh, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, she, it will be really interesting to follow her yeah. and to see her path and and stuff like that. I think young players, there will, will be a lot of young, interesting players as well. Mm-hmm. And Sam Kerr, like, if you watch Chelsea games, for example, it's just insane. Like, 
She is, uh, as a United fan, she is frustratingly. Yeah, no, I don't, also don't like Chelsea at uh, yeah. all, but um, they have, you have they to have admit some, that they have some, yeah. some strength. Absolutely, uh, an annoyingly good team who yeah. <clears throat> I don't I don't know if anyone can challenge them for the title this season. I mean, Arsenal have now got Russo up top, which will yeah. help them score goals. So maybe. Yeah. But before we get into sort of the the, the more nerdy aspect of, of the game, <clears throat> we have to speak quickly about Colombia. It's where you're from, where you're living. Mm-hmm. They're in the quarterfinals now, facing England. What can they achieve? How far can they go? Good question. I already feel like they achieved so, so much. I think they can achieve more. Like I, the thing is, if they, I think it's all about the, um, the strength. Like, if if it's um, if teams are maybe not don't have a broad, let's say, team, or they don't have maybe twenty players which are on the highest level. Sometimes they get tired with the games. So, I mean. Linda has played three World Cups this mm. year, so I think the one thing that could be against them is the that they don't the have lack enough of strength uh-huh. and depth. Yeah, mm-hmm. but they're, they're playing against England, right? Yes, they're not Linux afraid. And so, yeah, I I kind of think like England is gonna make it, but let's see what's the price. England mm. have the strength like, and depth. Yeah, you know? I mean even even when when uh, Kira Walsh went down with what everyone thought was an ACL, mm. they just eased to, mm-hmm. to they just changed the system brought in Katie Zellem Man United's captain and suddenly you have almost a, as good a player obviously not the same category as, as mm-hmm. Kira Walsh but they have that strength in depth which and the experience of winning big tournaments which already helped them against Nigeria I think so it'll mm-hmm. be interesting to, to see yes. let's chat about Switzerland there are obviously uh, personal connections Merit here is, is uh, the Swiss national team's captain's sister I think that's grammatically correct mm-hmm. um Let's start maybe before we talk about Leah. Let's let's start in more general terms. The the Swiss national team. We spoke about this on the main pod. They played four games, lost five one in the round of sixteen to Spain, after an opening win against the Philippines, drawing to Norway nil nil, and another nil nil against uh, hosts New Zealand. People are sort of finding the consensus that this is an okay World Cup. It's not brilliant. It's not bad. It's somewhere in the middle. Is this is, is the five one showing the gap between Switzerland and the world class team like like Spain is? Is that representative? Is this a fair display of where Swiss football, Swiss women's football, is at at the moment? Would you say? Mm. Mm. More or less, I would say that of obviously people can't expect Switzerland like to win easily against Spain or even like it's just different levels totally um but I think the result is too high like there were a bit of I'd say coaching mistakes and tactical mistakes um that were being that have been made if you saw the like the players of Spain like if you know a little bit the players of Spain you would know that they would not uh, they would not um, play at the center they would attack from from the sides and yeah i think it's maybe logical that they that they um have lost but i think it could have been like a better result and not five five one 
another question I get asked a lot is is how how harsh should we be on the the Swiss national team? This is this, a similar question that gets asked mm. for the men's game a, a lot as well because on the one hand you want to sort of go up against the biggest teams in the world and and kind of see how you can do against the likes of of Spain of Portugal for the men's team at the last World Cup and and at the other on the other side of it is that Switzerland is a tiny country who mm. you know has not that big of a pot a pool of player to choose players to choose from is this is are we doing the team a favor if we kind of treat them harshly and go oh you lost 5-1 failures we need to do you know this and that and and criticize or or are we is is it perhaps better if we are a bit kinder to them and and focus on sort of the the progress that's been made where do you stand on this Ali? I feel like it's a little bit the Swiss mentality like I mean we're always like we're supporting team but not like with all the passion <laughs> we have and when they lose we like criticize them so yeah I feel like um, I mean they they did a good job they they made it into the round of 16 so they did a good job and against Spain um, I kind of I agree with you but I still think like it shows that Spain is on another level but we can't expect Switzerland to be at that level um, if we don't have I mean like the Swiss league uh, we're not at the same point like Spain or something and a lot of like a lot of players from the Swiss team they play abroad now but it wasn't always like that and it's not for like I don't know 10 years that they play abroad and can can improve so yeah we I feel like we it just needs time and we have to invest in in the whole league and um, yeah just have like a bigger impact on the girls so they start playing soccer so we're just not not there yet so. <coughs> cool. yeah um, it, it, you, you say that <laughs> You say you say that it needs time. The next big milestone that will no doubt turn the attention of a lot of young girls and, and boys also in the country is that the fact that Switzerland will host the Euros in twenty twenty five. Huge event. Everyone's really excited for it. The two years isn't a lot of time in in football. It, it's like a second. It is. It, you're working in Swiss football as well at the moment. Is the is, is the women's side of the Swiss football association are we on the right track to sort of do ourselves justice and and host a tournament of that stature i mean i hope so i don't really know because i'm like in the second league of the swiss league so i'm out of the whole asafo <laughs> like the, the how do you say the proper federation i mean you've, you've got a better insight than most listeners will i feel like merit does like because of Leah probably but I'm like really out of it because I just I'm the sports, sports director of one club or of two teams and everything I do is like around these two teams so I just hope like it's enough time to to prepare everything and to put or invest in everything um, and that the Euro is really in the center of their whole work and not like other aspects just before i let you answer this mary because i know you'll have an input as well you don't have my screen already judge it we're gonna have to go through some triggering stuff over the next half hour i'm afraid for all three of us um 
judging by your own experience of, of you know you said they are in the second tier you're, you're maybe you've got a more micro view on it than perhaps mm-hmm. a broader picture it, it, judging by your own world that you operate in are, are, is there enough attention drawn to the women's game Oh no, and it's like very frustrating. I always like talk about that. Being in a position like that, it means that you always have to fight for every little thing. And sometimes I, f- I feel like I'm I'm done with it because I already or we already did that as players, like always fighting for so many stuff. And now I chose to be, um that sports sports director and st- I'm still facing the same the same stuff and also you have to say like we played in the highest league so now in the second league it's even worse. Meret, do you want to weigh in? <laughs> I mean yeah I think it's obviously the right direction and it's it's really cool that the the, the Euros will be in Switzerland but I think that, I mean, you already see it kind of that there were a lot of um, a lot of cities that said that they would host, that they would give the stadiums, that they would provide the space and stuff like that. And now, for example, young eBay is yeah. not willing to to host the finals. I mean, like the because they like even the semifinals because they because the men mm-hmm. start the league and they don't ca- have enough time to change the turf. the, mm-hmm. the pitch. Yeah. So like these thing, I mean, burns the capital. Like it's just it's just annoying. It's mm-hmm. like it it's what we call here Lippenbekenntnisse. It's like how do you, how can you say that? It's just words. It's talk, a lot yeah. of words. Yeah and and no actions and and to your other questions before um if we should criticize switzerland like harshly or kind of kind i think you can just not expect that much from switzerland because you cannot expect them to win against spain if because spain has such a good education for youngers and it starts at a very young age like if my sister Anna and Ramona, if they quit, who do we have? Like, I mean, what's, I mean, there's not many players, like, let's say five, six, seven players coming afterwards that you can say, yeah, they can maybe be the future. I mean, we don't know, maybe some who have, who are 15 Mm -hmm. years old or, or stuff like that. But I think, how can you criticize if you don't even, yeah, we have some players that, that play abroad, but it's about the league here as well like and about all the education all the support from within because yeah i think it's it's just really really difficult to criticize something if you don't even invest uh, support so i'm quite pessimistic to be honest because i just saw so many people just talking and and then like yeah, then not doing really, not like without without actions on, uh-huh. their, on their promises. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I think the the perhaps the question ought not to be, um, you know, is it is it is it should we be harsh? Should we be lenient? The question should maybe be, what has gone wrong, mm. and what can yeah. we do to change it? You know, yeah. where where can we 
start the work where is the where is the source of this and this brings us beautifully to uh, the aforementioned your, your the connection to your to your sister swiss national team's captain a, a person who is very important for the women's game not just on the pitch where she plays in that number six role and kind of is the anchor of the team but also off the pitch where she's worked tirelessly to promote the women's game and fight for equal rights and 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 fight for recognition and respect that the women women's game uh, deserves perhaps first and foremost what is your relationship to your sister are you quite close is it easy to maintain that connection from very far away no we're really close we 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 try to call each other a lot and we we talk a lot i mean obviously it's not 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 always the same depending on what what we're up to but um yeah it's quite a close close relationship yes but is it are you just <laughs> immensely proud of her or, or is it sometimes also quite difficult to be to be so closely related to someone who's in you know in the in the eye of the public and, and on tv and you're kind of suffering with her and i mean there was the injury before the world cup mm. that must be difficult for you as well where do you where do you come in on that? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's both. Like it's, we we are all proud of her, but also we know that it's hard sometimes. Like it's also you're worried. Like if you're far away and they get injured, it's like you can't do anything about it. You're not there, and also after the games, you would like to be there if it's if they lost or something like that. Um, but yeah, it's just mostly about being supportive where, wherever you can and and yeah I mean gladly we we all are a little bit into football so we we understand her struggles and we can sometimes help her or or yeah be there for her as well Alan you also know Leah of course having played with her at, at Young Boys back mm-hmm. in the day how, how important is she for Swiss football both on and off the pitch mm-hmm. yeah Leah is awesome I feel like <laughs> as a soccer player but also as a human being football player and <laughs> um, yeah I love her interviews I, I like I feel like she always knows what to say and um, for me she's a role model for a lot of girls playing in Switzerland and she's like the whole package of a of a women's soccer player for me anything to add to that that was beautifully put <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i mean she's on the pitch off the pitch it's it's both but i think that's also the thing that i mean i admire her like um strength and patience because i think i wouldn't have that much patient patience yeah (laughs) um especially off the pitch like it's not only like to talk with the media all the television stuff publicity sponsors it's not only that it's also internally like within the federation um as a captain you have to be like the the um, what do you say the connection the connection between many different actors and so it's kind of also social worker (laughs) like you have to be so socially smart you know and have always the the right right uh, words and stuff like that so I think, yeah, that's something that I admire, like not only the, the, the sports performance, but like the, the, the social part, which mm-hmm. is kind of quite 
it's a lot of responsibility yeah. in a in a very quickly growing environment mm. and yeah this uh, um this sort of brings us to my my next topic which is sort of the the progression of of women's football and and I try to kind of conduct a list of things that I sort of out of my own just kind of gut can come up with that needs to improve or is in development and one is that the first one is equal opportunities for 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 young girls to to train with other young girls and not just have to join the boys team that's pay is always a big topic infrastructurally i mean you both played for the first team and and the difference in training facilities and and you know just in everything is is massive compared to the to the men's team uh the just the whole pedigree of the game again this is something that's improving and i, I think especially the WSL is, is making very rapid progress still discrimination lasts a lot of people that I hold in quite high regard have even just recently about the World Cup said some things about women's game that I'm like just mm. so I'm so baffled by it that I, I can't even respond the injuries the research that goes into that we've we all know about the whole ACL situation mm. so many players missing from this World Cup through ACLs ACL buddies of mine, as I like to call them, um, the financial side of things, the backing, the the attractiveness for sponsorship deals, and 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 maybe also female specific training. Um, a lot of attention has been has been um, drawn to to cyclist orient cycle mm-hmm. orientated um, training and and how that affects the, the the players. I mean, the list is is endless, and I'm sure I could go on. I'm sure you have topics where you, that you could add. Where the hell do you start in, in this whole thing, Adam? I feel like to invest in the league for me would be the first step. What does that mean specifically? Where does like the with money, money go? Like what? to the players. So uh, give them salary so they don't have to work? Yeah, or? at least at least like don't have to work a hundred percent because I feel like that's what like the the women's body it's so hard for them to work and then go to practice and we all the injuries we know that it's not good for them um, and at least have these like 50 I don't know 50 percent working and 50 percent playing soccer um, should be possible and other countries they show that it is possible if you invest that in women's soccer or in the women's league that the women also have full stadiums so I feel like other countries they show that it's possible and in switzerland everything is like slower and really tiny steps and every ta- everything takes so long and obviously we can't close the gap if we like continue with such small steps and for me that would be the first step just quickly on that before i hand over to you Merit. Switzerland is what many people would consider one of the most developed countries in the world. The standard of living is really high. You'd expect, from the outside at least, the women's game to be progressing nicely. Why is Switzerland so slow compared to the likes of Spain, of maybe even Holland, who has a similar sort of population, or other countries in and around Europe? Why are we, why are we not on track? I always ask that myself too because sometimes I feel like all the other countries like Italy or Spain yeah we don't have that much money they're like like further and so the only reason I can think about is also again the mentality that you don't want to invest in in something like in a 
start I feel like we have to see it like a startup you have to invest mm -hmm. first that so that you get something out of it and a lot of people in high position they wouldn't invest in something like in a startup because they don't know if it's like worth it and I feel like that's in our our mentality of growing up here and want wanting to save or like having a future where everything is sorted out kind of so that's my only reason i can think think about it's political madness isn't it it always comes down to the politics and, and money that stops good things from from happening Meredith, we spoke about your sister's fight internally as well you yourself have been carrying this fight as well you've published papers uh, writings online on on this subject what are the key steps that need to be taken where do we start where do we go I'd say it's also like um, the wrong individuals in the wrong positions and a lot of them like if you would have individuals that were like in a decide this is deciding decisive position like who really push it and who are have courage and who confront the the like the bosses and who really try to push for it I think that would change a lot. Um, also, who would talk directly to sponsors? Uh, I mean, it's a lot about also like individual sponsors. It's it's just, of course, there's the money, but there's really also the individual persons that could also improve things more quickly. I think maybe in in England there were some few persons, or maybe not only a few but I think it's it's really about the people in the positions and also yeah they're really afraid like I did, sometimes I published articles that were like they didn't like uh, talk against anyone personally but they were so afraid that that would be pub published which is like yeah it's just a lot of um, gegenwind um, a lot of uh, opposition mm -hmm. oppositions for progress what can we do then I mean this is always something that I've wanted to ask as like uh, you know I, I will never be able to play uh, women's football and I, 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 all I can do is support and watch and, and take a genuine interest in it what can what can we do what can we us listeners us amateur footballers what can we do to support that fight and, and maybe get the right people in the right places and maybe change the mentality of of this opposition to to kind of understand also the opportunities that come with promoting the women's game with improving the facilities the infrastructure the the attention to it what can we do actively to support mm, should i start um I think sharing it, watching it, supporting it, maybe um, going to the games and also talking with people that it actually exists because I know that a few years ago people wouldn't know that there were there is a women's league in Switzerland. So I think it's a lot of sensi like sensitization. No. Sensitization. Uh-huh. Um, about the topic as well if you're interested in it like talking with other people about it and yeah supporting it as you can like with sharing it watching it and yeah yeah I agree and I feel like everyone knows someone like I don't know hosting 
are working in a bar or, or like also with the World Cup and asking them to to show the games. I mean, like where I live, there was one place um, where they showed the game. So I feel like everyone knows um, people or who work in different places or who have different, um, how do you say, economic status, mm -hmm. yeah. like economic status who maybe can invest in smaller places. Um, yeah, I feel like that would be that would be great to to help bring women's soccer further. There you go, dear listeners. You've heard it straight from the source. You now have no excuses not to support <laughs> women's football. I mean, I'm saying this with a, with a cheeky grin on my face, but I'm dead serious. There's there's so much to be gained, and it's it's been so cool watching this World Cup, and also chatting to you too about about the World Cup and and women's football and where it needs to go. And let's take a breath and and chat more about life, because as I've mentioned before, both of you have been really inspiring to me for for various reasons, even though we obviously live in separate countries merit for following her heart and, and, and going where you're the happiest opening up your online uh, business and, and and Alan for just going through what I'm going through four times I mean what a what a hero you are <laughs> crazy talk I'm, I'm here six months post-op and I can I'm like on on the verge of mental breakdown and, and getting through it and you did this four times so crazy but let's start with the more happy topic we'll get to the injuries and, and so forth later you you moved to Colombia. Is life better there? Yeah, for me it is. Like it's more relaxed. It's more. I think I I wouldn't have started my own business if I wouldn't have been there. Like. I wouldn't have done it here. There was too much risk and too much doubts, and I'm just maybe if I'm not here, I'm just more yeah just go for it and just try but swiss mentality is just so about security and safety and future and take no risks and um always think about your retirement and stuff like that so i think it's for me it was really liberating to to go abroad and yeah to do something else now i also obviously live <laughs> abroad not as far away as you but i i also i already get these these pangs of of isolation of of god i'm far away from my original home um loneliness and and mental health issues that come with with being the outsider sometimes mm -hmm. um even in in a country as or a city as diverse as london you, you sometimes feel like you're the odd one out just because of a different passport or, or whatever it is it, it, does it get tough sometimes down there yeah but i think it gets easier um since like it gets easier over time where i suffered more was in ecuador where i only lived six months and i remember the sundays were hard because here i, I was always with my family or friends and then you're like alone on Sunday which is like the hard the toughest day but um, now I actually feel better in Colombia because I'm already there for more than one year and I have made some um, some connections that yeah that I think I mean obviously always have it a little bit but that's what that's the like the negative side of this decision I think 
To be fair, you also have a very, very cute dog, uh-huh. which anyone who follows you on Instagram will, will see a lot of. That and, helps and a lot. Which will help a lot, yeah. I mean, we've been talking about getting a cat as well, just because it would improve everyone's mental state by so much. The last question for, for you in terms of your life in, in, in Colombia. You're freelancing at the moment. You've got mm-hmm. your own, as we said, online-run uh, business. You're, you're a, a writer and an I tried not to. I tried to avoid this word, and I stumbled into it. Anthropologist. Thank you. Um, <laughs> how? What? What are the? What are the? The perks of freelance life? Are you enjoying it? The perks are the. The benefits. The benefits. Yes. Yes, I enjoy. It. For example, I work for some organizations, and I sometimes have to have calls with them, and I'm like so glad to be a freelancer and not having all those internal conversations they have without like within the team and I can just come and do my job and then go so yeah I mean as always positives and positive and negative sides of it but at the moment I really enjoy it and I love the decision I took it's very really nice. cool I could go on for, for ages talking about freelance life, but I'm just cautious of time as well. And I want to talk to, to Alan about your your own um, injury history mainly. This is out of personal interest. You've, as I've mentioned, tore your ACL four times, two on each leg. How the hell do you recover? How do you go through that so many times and still look at me with a smile <laughs> on your face? It's kind of crazy when you say like four times, like sometimes... I don't even realize it that it because I feel like my brain like puts these experience beside and like forgets about the the pain and everything you go through now with the with the operation and stuff and and like you mentioned before I always had a second passion like dancing and that really helped me get through it and I always had a lot of other interests besides soccer so like the first or the second time it was like kind of like taking a break from soccer like practicing every day so like it was like I was in a really good mental state where I could enjoy enjoy so many things I can enjoy while playing soccer and yeah I kind of have to say also the third and the fourth time I wasn't in a bad mental state I, I can't like really explain why I just feel like as soon as I had the operation behind me like it was kind of like a challenge for me to get back on track step by step and with the ACL it's like that you have every day you have a little step forward and I have to say I was always very lucky because I had never had like a setback so it was like very easy to get back because I just had one direction and like yeah and also my body is like it was awesome because I could do so many stuff in such a short time and the like they always had to like look that I don't do too much because I didn't feel any pain and and yeah I also feel like every time I get back on the pitch the problem was a little bit that I, I didn't quit because I didn't feel any pain first mm. and then I always played I, um, in the first 11 again I was good again I scored so it was very difficult for me to quit soccer in a state where you're 
back on the pitch mm-hmm. and like good again kind of and for me it was like after the third operation for me like it was clear that if I have to get through another surgery um, I'm gonna quit and I kind of feel like that's when the process started of being okay with life without soccer and when it happened the fourth time like it was also kind of like a relief kind of like a relief that now it's done like now my life as a soccer player is done and I don't have to think about injuries anymore because Mm -hmm. it is it isn't easy to always like beside the pitch on the pitch I didn't have these thoughts but beside the pitch to think about what if I get injured again and if you like play soccer every day and you have these thoughts every day like it's kind of like um, not frustrating but exhausting yeah I mean I, I can I'm, I'm a bit speechless here so I'm going to try and, and come up with another question are there, do you have tips how not to do it again <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm a little I feel like you shouldn't ask me that because I feel like I'm very pessimistic in like now that I experienced so many injuries because honestly I know like eight probably like eight um, people who uh, got injured like with the ACL three times and it's not that I feel like wow it's such an exception that I tore my ACL so many times because it's kind of like normal in the even like in the woman Mm -hmm. woman's soccer word that you tear ACL at least one or two or probably three times so for me it's more like when you tear your ACL you like I I don't want to say like you're gonna tear it again but (laughs) the chances are just higher because I feel like your body is is different after a surgery You're, you're moving different you're playing different and yeah I feel like that's kind of like the thing but I'm like very happy that it always continued so so I wouldn't give all the emotions and all the experience away and I'm so glad even after the third time like I had such a great season and I love to think about it so I'm very happy that I stopped after the fourth time and not earlier because I feel like that's yeah what fulfilled me at that time. Okay, let's let's get the topic back to, to happier things now. Um, <laughs> a couple of, of closing questions. Number one, we've we've mentioned we talked about your life uh, in South America. Alan, you're living a very different life here. Although you're also thinking of getting a dog. Um, <laughs> you're combining work, life, football as a sporting director now. How difficult is it to remain friends? I mean, I've spoken to both of you now for an hour. I feel that you know you've been friends for so many years. That really shows and is it difficult to keep those connections going while you live so far away I don't feel like (laughs) I feel like Merit is always like one of my closest friends always was even though she didn't live here like you lived in England you lived in Ecuador now in Colombia and I feel like she was always one of my closest friends and I miss her physical um, appearance like doing stuff together on a daily basis and I think a lot about her like when I want to do stuff and I'm not able to ask her so I miss that part 
but I feel like we're talking a lot through FaceTime and there are like periods where we don't talk a lot but it's not like it doesn't change like yeah. how a relationship yeah no I feel the same like there are some people obviously I was afraid that my friendships would like um, suffer from it from going abroad and it's not not to say that it's easy to live without your best friends but I think yeah we're really good at also not blaming the other one if, if they don't have time or yeah just accepting also the process of the other person and and if when we can we try to connect and we do a lot of stuff when, while I'm here and maybe she also visits me I mean a lot of stuff connects us because we are connected to Colombia as well Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's actually quite easy. Mm-hmm. We had other <laughs> other moments that were more <laughs> difficult when we were together. <laughs> Playing together. That yeah. Was like, not always. Yeah. You can also it's spend too easy. much time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. The, the, one of the themes of this podcast has been inspiration and, and inspiring people from the, the best players at the World Cup to, to both of you being it for me. I want to ask you this kind of final question where do you take your inspiration from what inspires you maybe Meredith does mm, a lot of authors inspire me like I read a lot so um, I get a lot of inspiration from from reading um, also from my work um, I work for, for a, a sociologist and she's really inspiring as well um, friends um individuals that are just inspiring persons and i think also living in two such different cultures also is sometimes really challenging but also really nurturing like you kind of value things from the two and then it's kind of a cool um, mix like yeah you can take good things from both cultures and get inspired also by traveling for for some stuff i don't have such a long answer okay. <laughs> sorry <laughs> no but I, I was just thinking about it what i'm gonna say um i feel like yeah family and friends because like with my family we have a lot of discussions uh political discussions also um and like society like where society goes and what's like about discriminations and stuff so I feel like that's where I get a lot of inspirations from and yeah books I would say <laughs> what a what a beautiful way to to end this podcast mm-hmm. my dears thank you so much for for coming over for for spending an hour with me talking about the women's <laughs> game and and your passions and and your lives I really enjoyed this I really appreciate your time I really appreciate both of you and uh, I hope it wasn't too bad. No, it was really cool. Thank you. Thank you so Mm -hmm. much. And goodbye.